Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Monday, October 5th, 2020. I want to say thank you quickly to Heidi White, who filled in for me last week while my family and I were moving. We've had a lot going on, and it was, uh, it was a great relief to be able to turn the show over to her for a few days. So thank you to her for doing that. Also, because we're moving, um, some of my stuff is in storage still, and things are a little bit crazy, so I'm just using my iPhone and my, uh, my headphones that go with my phone. So I apologize for today's audio quality. That will be remedied quickly. Today's poem is by Wallace Stevens. He was an American poet who was born October 2nd, 1879, and lived until August 2nd, 1955. He is one of the more difficult poets of of American poetry in the 20th century, and thus is worth spending some time with, but can be a little confounding at times. He won the Pulitzer Prize for his collected poems in 1955, and the poem that I'm going to read today is from that collected poems. It's called Anecdote of the Jar. It was originally published in his first collection, which was called Harmonium, which was published in 1923. It goes like this. I placed a jar in Tennessee, and round it was upon a hill. It made the slovenly wilderness surround that hill. The wilderness rose up to it and sprawled around, no longer wild. The jar was round upon the ground and tall and of a port in air. It took dominion everywhere. The jar was gray and bare. It did not give of bird or bush like nothing else in Tennessee. So this 12-line poem, one of Stephen's early poems, like so much of his work, is, to use the word that I used a minute ago, a little bit confounding. I've read a couple of Stephen's poems on this podcast, and you probably found them equally as confounding as Anecdote of the Jar. But there are a few online resources that can help us unpack this a little bit. And if you want to learn more, I recommend you check them out. But I do want to turn to the beginning of a 2016 book review called Insurance Man, The Life and Art of Wallace Stevens. It's a review of Paul Mariani's book, The Whole Harmonium, The Life of Wallace Stevens, which was published in 2016 by Simon & Schuster. This particular review of that book is by Peter Sheldahl. And if you Google the, uh, the review, you can check out the whole thing. But I want to just read the beginning to you. Because uh, Wallace Stevens' birthday, as, as I mentioned, was October 2nd, which means it was just a couple days ago. And I wanted to give you a chance to get an overview of some of what made Stevens special. So this is from the beginning, the first two paragraphs of that review in The New Yorker. Quote, Paul Mariani's excellent new book, The Whole Harmonium, The Life of Wallace Stevens, is a thrilling story of a mind which emerges from a dispiriting story of a man. It's hard to think of a more vivid illustration of T.S. Eliot's principle of the separation between the man who suffers and the mind which creates. For most of his life, Stevens was an elaborately defended introvert in a three-piece suit, working as a Hartford insurance executive. He came slowly to a mastery of language, form, and style that revealed a mind like a solar system with abstract ideas orbiting a radiant lyricism. Mariani 
persuasively numbers Stevens among the 20th century poets who are both most powerful and most refined in their eloquence, along with Rilke, Yeats, and Neruda. He is certainly the quintessential American poet of the 20th century, a doubting idealist who invested slight subjects, the weather often, with oracular gravitas and grand ones, death frequently with capering humor. Stevens's first book, The Ravishing Harmonium, which contains Sunday Morning, The Snowman, Thirteen Ways of Looking at a Blackbird, Anecdote of the Jar, The Emperor of Ice Cream, and most of the rest of his poems that people still read, if they read any of them, came out in 1923 when he was 44. His next book, Ideas of Order, published 13 years later, features what may be the finest American modern poem, The Idea of Order at Key West. It gets my vote with perfectly paced beauty that routinely squeezes tears from me. His subsequent work, which abounded until his death in 1955, is less familiar, because most of it is gruelingly difficult. The great mind finally spiraled in on itself like a ruminative narcissus. It takes heroic stamina to get through Notes Toward a Supreme Fiction and other of the late, long poems, which American literary culture coped with at the time by loading Stevens with every possible prize honor, and encomium. Since then, his reputation has stood as a wind-swept monument tended by professors. End quote. Personally, I find Stephen's work to be so much more interesting than what ought to be tended by professors. I think it probably would be the kind of poetry that it best lives in our imaginations and in our memories. His work, his canon, belongs in our memories. As much as any other American poet of the 20th century, I believe that his poetry ought to be memorized. Not so much because it always makes sense, but because the sense-making that does come from it has to occur uh, following a great lingering. We have to spend time with his work to make sense of it. So I don't read this poem today to present it to you um, in a way that is meant to be totally comprehensible. Uh, but so that you might uh, get a chance to spend some time with it and contemplate it and see what, what becomes of that contemplation. I will offer a few things that uh, people have, have mentioned. This is a poem that has been interpreted by many different schools of, of thought, many different literary theories. Um, because it's a little vague, almost anybody can make it say what they want to some degree. But one of the most compelling arguments, I, I think, is from a writer named Helen Vendler, who suggested that the poem is uh, a commentary on John Keats's classic poem, Ode on a Grecian Urn. And so if you want to do a comparison of those two poems, I think that's one of the great ways to get deeper into Anecdote of the Jar. In that way, it's probably a poem about uh, poet making, poem making, about art, um, and about the imagination, much like Keats's poem was. That's all I'll say for now. I suspect you will leave this episode unsatisfied, but what can I do on an eight-minute episode of a podcast <laughs> that will leave you feeling truly satisfied? Hopefully, another reading of the poem will help get you there. And so here, once more, is Wallace Stevens' Anecdote of the Jar. I placed a jar in Tennessee, and round it was, upon a hill. It made the slovenly wilderness surround that hill. The wilderness rose up to it, and sprawled around, no longer wild. 
The jar was round upon the ground and tall, and of a port in air. It took dominion everywhere. The jar was gray and bare. It did not give of bird or bush like nothing else in Tennessee. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.